0: To be or not to be, that is the question, whether 'tis nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing end them.
1: And I'm Zach Powers,
0: and this is Stage of Fools,
1: the unofficial Royals Podcast.
0: Tonight we're discussing Season 1, Episode 6, The Slings and Arrows of Outrageous Fortune.
1: While on vacation in Monaco, Eleanor is taken aback to find Liam has invited Robert's best friend and her first love, Beck, on a trip, although he is revealed to be married after their romantic weekend. Liam and Ophelia also grow closer over the weekend, culminating in finally making their relationship public. Meanwhile, Gemma loses Ashok's new car in a hand of poker, forcing Liam to win it back in a game of darts, which inadvertently results in Ashok taking an arrow to the leg. Back at the palace, Simon grows closer with prudence, unaware she is being forced to monitor his evening walks for Cyrus. Jasper is reassigned to Helena, who uses her knowledge of his past as a Vegas grifter to coerce him into sex, though Simon accidentally witnesses Jasper leaving the master bedroom one night.
0: Today, we're joined by a wonderful guest of one of my favorite TV podcasts, Talking About Turtle. You probably already know him. You probably already love him. It's Andrew Schwartz.
2: Hello. Thank you for having me, Stage of Fools.
0: I know you're used to talking about really high-class television with entourage, so Thanks for coming and wallowing down in the muck with us here on e-television.
1: You with your premium subscription HBO packages coming down to basic cable. There's no classy characters like Turtle hanging around
2: this show.
0: So before we assigned you this episode, you had never seen the Royals, right?
2: Nope, not a single second
0: well then what was uh, based on this episode your first impression of the show
2: uh, from first watching I kind of figured it was gonna be like, kind of like a soap operay kind of show it felt more teenish oriented than I thought it was gonna be like is that the average kind of feels like is about these romance will they won't they where there's this one between the black carry girl. I don't remember her name. Eleanor. Yes, she's got that weird thing with blondie scruffle man.
0: It oh, was kind of nice. Oh, we'll dive into all of this, but um. Actually, just so you know, this is the first episode that we've ever seen that character who's her love interest, Yeah, he's new.
1: He is replacing a previous relatively bland love interest whose name ends with a CK.
0: We'll get into him because the question or the thesis maybe of this episode I want to be is, is Beck worse than Nick? Hashtag Nickgate2015. I think I have some powerful arguments that really just shook me to my core because All this time, I've been hating on Nick, and little did I know that Beck was just coming down the lane. This first scene, I mean, it's definitely something, if you're tuning into the show to hear about the, what I'll call the good badness of the show, we could not skip over the fact that the show opens this week with Penelope and Maribel putting drugs up their rectums.
1: The first shot of the show is a hand sticking out and one of them pours <laughs> I uh, what I I a bunch of lube into the, the open palm of her Ooh. sister. That is how the show opens this week. So we are in for a fun time.
2: That is quite the introduction to the show for me. I was not expecting that. <laughs> and then it's and weird because it just starts moaning all of a sudden. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, I, she's,
0: I think we're meant to think she's in some way enjoying it Oh god, I, mom, oh, turn off the podcast uh, um, But under the title card for the show this week I mean, we've heard some different sounds under the title cards. Like we've heard bong hits And like uh, people being very exasperated This uh, week we heard sort of half pain, half sexually aroused Moaning slash like squealing underneath the title uh, card I was like, no um, this is the opposite of what I wanted.
1: Yeah, their their efforts are immediately undercut by the fact that Eleanor reveals they could have just placed their drugs in a diplomatic bag. Is that a real thing? So there are diplomatic bags, but this is absolutely not how they work. <laughs> they are for got official excited. purposes only. Like, official correspondence between nations and stuff. Very, like, private documents. They are not for any random shit you want to put in there. They have to be, like, sanctioned by the government. All right. So. Oh,
0: another thing about the diplomatic bag is Eleanor is, like, being an asshole, and she mentions with relish that there are sex toys in the diplomatic bag. I was like, you know sex toys aren't illegal, right? She also says a loaded
1: firearm, which, I mean... <laughs> no. Why would you even mention that? Just stick with the drugs.
0: Based on the number of characters on this show that have held a gun to someone else's temple, I pretty much, that didn't really surprise me that much. All the young people are going to Monaco, but away from Monaco, um, King Simon comes back from the the diplomatic tour that he's been on. Like, he hasn't been around the palace because he's been out and about visiting the people, I think we're meant to assume. And he comes back, and, like, immediately Queen Helena is just a huge asshole to him. Like, she says that missing someone distracts from being the queen. I know that it's her thing that in every episode she mentions being the queen, but she acts like she has... Like, so many po- very political duties and responsibilities. What all we see her doing is, like, attending social events.
1: Basically, 90% of what we see her doing is conniving. And then there's about 10% social events. It doesn't seem like a particularly demanding job
0: overall. She acts like the weight of the world is on her shoulders. It distracts from being the queen. And, like, gives him a hard time for not getting her flowers when he came back. And I'm like... You have been just terrible to him ever since your son died. It's very strange. And I
1: assume before that.
0: But I mean, I feel like she almost ramped it up with Robert's death, which is just so weird. I just don't don't understand this character. I'm just going to say it. I don't understand Queen Helena. I don't really understand her motivations.
1: I think they want it both ways with her, especially in that last episode where they can't decide if they want her to be a through and through villain or if she wants to have this running edge of sympathy that just fully does not work it's a it's a design flaw in the character beyond the fact that elizabeth hurley is not very good in the role
2: very disappointed to see how bad she was
0: yeah what are you familiar with her from oh
2: so many great works first of all her best role my favorite martian (laughs) uh secondly (laughs) uh bedazzler Mm -hmm.
1: not the name of the movie but okay
2: uh, I'm sorry, uh, bedazz- Bedazzle Law. Um, what's the next one? <laughs> She's only done like two movies as far as I'm concerned because I forget the rest. I mean, oh, Austin Powers, International in Man of Mystery. For, how can I forget that? Of
1: course. One great role and two ones where she kind of does nothing. But she was, I think, targeted as the draw of this show in case you didn't know. I feel like when people talk about the show on like on demand or whatever, they're always like starring Elizabeth Hurley as the yeah. big git of the show.
0: Even though as far as the ensemble goes, she's more of a supporting character. For sure.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know what they're where they're going with her, so I guess we'll see what the future holds.
1: Well, in spite of being <laughs> glad that Simon was in this episode, I thought he wasn't, but I'm glad he is. We cut back to yes. the main plot of the kids arriving in Monaco for a crazy weekend. Um they do some callbacks in this episode, kind of. There's a bagsy callback.
0: Yes. Definitely.
1: Yeah. I think there's a couple of other callbacks later on in the episode as
0: well. There's the whole... So uh, Liam calls Bagsy on the master bedroom, which means dibs, in case you didn't catch our uh, Fashion Week episode. And they set up this just like really, really forced bit of dialogue so that it can come back later in the episode. Ophelia's like, "Um, are we sharing a room? Did you just assume we were going to share a room? Which I kind of like her for calling him out on that. And then he was like, no, you have the room next door. Except the rooms are totally attached by like one door. Anyway, she's like, you're sexy when you're not presumptuous. And it's like, just remember that line. Because just wait what's going to happen later on. Ooh. Liam and Ophelia are never our favorite thing. But this scene in particular, I was like, Jesus. Like some ha- for some reason, them happy together sounds even more cliche than them being pointlessly broken up with each other
1: i think we'll get on because they're just sort of rekindling their relationship this episode is really where they kind of come out as a couple
2: they start (laughs) blossoming yes really (laughs) like a flower
1: (laughs) (laughs) meanwhile eleanor uses ashok as a bit (sighs) of a prop Uh, to get back at Jasper, who, Andrew, in case you haven't been listening, Jasper is a character who has been sexually blackmailing Eleanor for a while.
2: Oh, wonderful. He was so fucking boring. All the scenes were, like, such a dead weight.
0: Uh, I do want to talk about this, because, so, um, Eleanor, like, straddles Ashok, and they both have their shirts off, and she's, like, talking all sexy to herself when taking this fake sex tape quote unquote for Jasper but then when we see him watching the video Ashok's face is in it like it's not just his torso and Jasper knows who Ashok is because they've gone to like the same parties they have the same social circle so if he sees Ashok he's gonna be like oh she's just oh she's just doing this to try to make me jealous but like it's obviously fake because I
1: feel like it's, it's a, like a bad Ashok. idea to send an impromptu kind of sexy video where it's implied you're having sex to a guy who was just blackmailing you with a video of you having sex. Like that seems like a counterintuitive move, just a little bit to me.
0: I didn't think of that.
2: Maybe they just cross each other I, out, yeah. He goes, Well, alright, that makes sense. I'll let's erase all the videos then. Yeah, maybe.
0: He never had one, that's the thing. And it's supposed to, like, that's the thing that makes her feel like she's been betrayed. I really don't understand.
1: It's so and weird. Because the plot line is just so strange in some ways that it's like, you don't understand the logic of it. And I think there's some humor in that lack of understanding. So we get to... This is when... This is when Handsome, blandling, back shows up. Yes. For the first time.
0: First of all, he's rocking the Don Johnson look of an oversized blazer over a t-shirt with the sleeves pushed up to the elbows. Sure. Um, Between him and Gemma, who's dressed like a 1987 Malibu Barbie, everything in this episode just looks so 80s. It's really funny. Why did Liam think it would make Eleanor feel happier To see this guy who not only was her married first love, we have to assume at some point jilted her or they broke up painfully, but Mm -hmm. also he was their recently deceased older brother's friend. Why did Liam think this would make her feel better when she's already using drugs and alcohol, like, more heavily than ever and everything? She's pretty
1: open about, too. It's not like it's a secret he doesn't realize. Like, later she asks him if he can remember the last day she did not use drugs.
0: When she says that she can't, okay, so basically essentially admitting she's an addict, he laughs. And that's the end of the scene. Yeah,
2: they put off, like, comedically. Like, not like this big dramatic scene, like... Oh, you have a problem. It's like, (laughs) we laugh to laugh, don't we?
0: (laughs) Yeah, but like, I think that she's seriously depressed. Like, I'm not joking. I think so too.
2: Oh yeah, she's just hiding it behind a facade.
1: If this guy is Robert's best friend, why was he not at the funeral in any capacity? Too depressing. I feel like he should have at least shown up in that pilot episode, right?
0: There also should have been like a picture of Robert at the funeral. Well, so true, I'm yeah. guessing there wasn't a picture of Robert for the same reason there wasn't Beck at the funeral, which is we hadn't thought of it yet. We hadn't cast him yet. Later on in the episode, well, Eleanor tells Eleanor tells Ophelia, oh, he was Robert's best friend. Like we were kids. We grew up together. Then when they're at the casino table, Beck says that she was 17 when they first met. And so I was like, define growing up together. Yeah. Because he would have already been in his like late, twi- yeah, late he... teens, early 20s, I have to imagine. Probably
1: so, yeah. He's got to be a few years older than her. I do like one little exchange between Liam and Eleanor when he says that Beck makes her act like a 12-year-old girl and she responds with, I hate you times infinity. I kind of <laughs> thought that was nice.
0: They was, still have uh, great sibling chemistry. They really do. Yeah.
1: They are That's fun That's why it's so weird
0: when Liam laughs off her confession. Yeah.
1: Okay. So back at the palace, um, it turns out that Jasper is being reassigned in his bodyguard duties away from Eleanor. Probably a good thing because of all the felonies he committed while he was her bodyguard. And he's being reassigned to Helena, the queen, who immediately uh, starts pushing him with, Plying him with double entendres and sexual innuendos.
0: (laughs) Plying him with double entendres. They're irresistible. Yeah, she's saying things like,
2: (laughs) why don't you eat my pussy?
0: She has some of the worst lines of all time in this episode. Like, just without question, even for hers, the whole, what lays in Vegas doesn't stay in Vegas, which she says at the end of the episode. All around, she has some of the worst lines in this one.
2: Haven't you heard about actor Queen's... Uh, what is it? At your queen's.
0: <laughs> At the pleasure of
1: her majesty.
2: That's a big old wet <laughs> yeah. fart of a line.
0: But that comes
1: a little later. Briefly, like I think Ashok kind of gets the short shrift a lot in this episode because no one treats him with any respect, um, as per usual. Yeah. But, but there's a scene early on where they're in Monaco and Ashok is like, my baby's here. And he runs off. <sighs> and I think Ophelia's like, oh, Ashok has a girlfriend. And Liam, his best friend, is like, I doubt it. <laughs> Which is kind of a dick thing to say about your best friend.
2: By the way, Ashok is my favorite character so far. Wonderful character.
0: Yeah, totally. Also, he's a member of an entourage. Oh, no. Yeah, I mean, I felt like everyone was really undeservedly mean to Ashok in this episode. But I also feel like this episode was like proof of why he really works best as a somewhat small supporting character. Like, I feel like there were times we saw maybe a little too much of him. Like By the end of the episode, the high energy stuff was wearing me a little bit thin, but I don't know. It could be that I just, I don't love him and Gemma as a scene pairing, necessarily. And she's just being so, so horrible to him in this episode that's it's just like, ugh.
1: She gets this really nice car. That's what his baby is, by the way. It's this very nice car. Um, I don't know anything about
0: yeah. cars, but I'm sure it's, it's a
2: Kyle McLaughlin.
0: It has doors that open a different way than normal car doors. Yeah, doors. You know, they open doors. up. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they're called. Mother?
1: Yeah. No, no, that's a different kind of door.
2: Well, door yeah. suicide that's door goes cool. up. A DeLorean
1: <laughs> door. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I don't know. Who gives a fuck?
0: But <laughs> not me.
1: My first question is: Ashok does live in England, right? Yes. Why is his car being delivered to Monaco if he lives in England? That seems like a small oversight to me. Road trip. By the manufacturers. <laughs>
0: Maybe Are, money truly is no object in his family. Although if that were the case, I feel like he wouldn't have been as about cars. devastated at the car as he was. I don't know. Yeah, I, don't I really know. don't know much about cars, so maybe had emotional connections to it. have done no research. <laughs> I also don't
1: know why Ashok is rich. To be honest with you, I assume they just he's haven't rich, told but us I don't... yet.
0: Not that it necessarily matters. He must be. No. He must have met because he's not like a staff member. So he must have met Liam at like private school or something. I bet. Uh, what I didn't understand was, so last episode they said that Ashok got permission to use the beach house, like the vacation house from this Sultan who then reneged right. on them. And Prince Liam had to go to real life Prince, Prince Albert to get permission to use it. But then in this episode, everyone was talking about it like it was their family vacation home. So I didn't they are. understand at all. Plot
1: holes abound in this particular oh, it's episode. Just, okay.
0: So it's not just me. Good. That's good to know. No.
1: So many, so many. Um, meanwhile, at the pool, Gemma, comes out with her little entourage of These girls characters. who
0: cannot move their faces. Their faces are just frozen in identical grimaces and do not move during any of their scenes.
2: They are the weirdest characters yes. in this completely. I am flabbergasted at what they're supposed to be.
1: I don't know. They're her little group of, like, heathers or whatever,
0: or <laughs> whatever you
1: wish. want to call it, plastics, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But apparently their custom is to sit by the pool topless, which sparks one of two compliments about Ophelia's breasts in this episode, which is kind of a little weird runner they have for no particular reason.
0: That is that is a recurring thing. I mean, part of it is they're trying to show like her and Eleanor bonding. It's just like, there are no boundaries, you know? And Eleanor is like that cool girl who like calls her friends bitch, but it's okay and all that jazz. Right. So mm-hmm. I felt that that was a part of that. And of course, Gemma is always... Going at Eleanor by complimenting her in a way that's extremely, extremely passive-aggressive. Like the yeah. nice, nice earrings, earrings. thanks, yeah. from last episode.
1: This doesn't work quite as well, I don't think. But the final bit of the scene that is actually a really nice bit of business, I think, is that uh, Liam temporarily fires Marcus so that he can actually enjoy the weekend in Monaco. Which is a really good thing to do for your buddy.
0: That it was funny how he phrased it that he was firing him instead of just being like, take a break take you're taking a mandatory vacation day you're taking a paid vacation day or something like that but i thought the whole back and forth with the your majesty i mean dude maybe just stick with sir was pretty funny um so the next thing i have in my notes is prudence and the hobnobs (laughs) um because prudence the maid who's having this sort of like thankfully non-romantic bond with King Simon because God knows the man just needs like a scrap of human affection in his life. She brings Mm -hmm. him some cookies and, chats with him and if she doesn't sit down and talk with him it's treason and she like visibly freezes up at the joke because of course simon is using the fact that she tried to poison him last episode to blackmail her into having sex with him and into following king simon when he goes on these nighttime walks so this is just another one of those examples of king simon being the greatest and everyone else being like oh i can't believe i have to treat you like shit
1: and, Simon, and Cyrus is just kind of skulking in the background in this scene, too.
0: As he always is.
1: But King Simon says JK. Just, I'm just joking. He does say oh, JK. Yeah. To his credit. He JKs her pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Um, he's a good dude. He I is. Mean, King
1: Simon is too good, I would almost say.
0: Yeah. I, I'm happy to have King Simon back, but we, do, we don't get to see very much Cyrus in this episode, so it's like a seriously mixed blessing because... Whenever Cyrus is there doing his, like, villain soliloquies, I'm a happier person, for sure. Yeah,
1: Cyrus Cyrus takes is on the back burner in this one, which is always a little sad, but I think this one has enough random shit going on that it's not too much to the episode's detriment.
0: Yeah, sometimes we need him to bring the crazy, that's true.
1: But Ophelia and Eleanor, they have their little bonding sesh. This is the second episode where Eleanor gives Ophelia a dress— the, the last episode was probably more egregious because I don't know why she would have a dress that fits Ophelia that well in her personal closet. But she does.
0: It's that, it's that you know, it's that TV show movie thing where all girls are the same size, first of all, because it's ridiculous. They, they could not have more different... I mean, they could have more different body types. So they have very different body types. And then also... I won't get into fashion with you guys being here, but Eleanor compliments Ophelia's chest, but then she gives her this dress that has really heavy beading all over the bodice and is cut like a sack, so it's not actually flattering on her and everyone has to act like it's the most beautiful dress ever. Like, I don't understand. At least last episode, the dress she wore to the ball was like literally just a corset with a giant tutu attached. You can see why everyone was like... Dang, girl.
2: Well, maybe it fit her because it's a uh, storyline they're going to introduce later. Maybe they were twins or something. Would or there great. could
0: be a, a traveling pants involved.
1: Or a failed clone. Although,
0: ooh, we don't want to say pants in England. That means something entirely different.
1: Yeah. Maybe when Ophelia went to America, Eleanor got all of her old clothes from Ted as a gift. That wouldn't make ooh. sense. She would have been a child.
0: Yeah, well, I was going to say, we will get to Ophelia and Ophelia being an American some more later on in this episode.
1: Yeah, didn't make sense, but okay.
0: So they go to the casino and Beck is the worst. He's saying this stuff that I just can't stand. It's so cheesy. so cheesy.
1: It's the most cheesy shit I've ever heard. It's
0: unbearable. 35, because that's the number of times you've taken my breath away in that outfit. I'm just like,
1: uh. And then he he brings it all home later on when he's like, now it's 36. Do you know he just probably like
2: he's smiling and he's like, Fucking nailed it, A plus, bro. High five.
1: He was like, he came with that, with that, like the week before when Liam first announced, <laughs> like, set, invited him over. He was like, oh, I got to say something awesome. I'll say you took away my, dre- my breath, like thirty five times, and then later I'll be like, now it's thirty six. Okay, maybe, I can just see him in his car. Is that
2: too high or too low? Of twenty six, is that better?
1: Forty
2: five. I don't. Thirty thirty five. Let's put it in the middle. <laughs> Forty
1: five's <laughs> too much. Forty five's too much. Forty five's too much. Twenty-five might not seem I'll like that into her. Thirty-five is
0: too much. Too much. Thirty-five <laughs> is already too much. That means he's been like hyperventilating all afternoon.
1: <gasps> <The dress. gasps> I assume it was a lifetime tally.
0: <laughs> Back is the second major well no third major handsome blandling that we've talked about. The other one being Helena's lover, who we just named John oh, Doe, right. because we couldn't <laughs> figure we out couldn't his name. Yeah. <laughs> already a stage of fools classic. Um And I was thinking about why is it that we hate Nick so much more than we hate Beck? And I think it's because Beck's scene partner is Eleanor. Mm. And she tends to bring out the best in everyone and make everyone seem a little more interesting. Whereas Nick's scene partner is Ophelia, who I don't dislike, but her material tends to be far more boring and far more bland.
1: Well, I mean, I'd also say that Beck... His number one attribute is that he's boring, just like Nick, <laughs> but his number two attribute is that he's cheesy, whereas Nick's number two attribute is that he's kind of pretentious
0: and, yes. like, above
1: it all. That's which fair. Which is a lot more insufferable, I think.
0: Also, Nick is more self-deprecating, like, I know you that you'll never like me, but I came over anyway, even though I know that you're just using me, but...
1: I almost feel like, now that we have Nick and Beck, we should have given John Doe a name that ends with C.K.,
0: Cock. <laughs> cock that works. That's all he is for the show.
1: Functionally, yeah. Gemma is at a separate <laughs> table after, away from this goddamn. She's in the non dairy section playing, I don't know, Texas Hold'em or something. And Ashok is there. She's playing against this douchey prince that we've never seen before, who they're, you know, whatever, idly raising the stakes by, like, $20,000 just to show that it's like, oh, this is a big game, blah, 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 we're supposed to be in High stakes, baby, high stakes. Oh, everything yeah.
0: about this scene is so 80s, right down to the music that they start blasting right when everybody, like, descends the stairs into the casino. It's really funny. And everyone's oh. wearing, like, blazers over t-shirts with the with the sleeves pushed up and, like... Liam's wearing light blues and salmons, and Gemma's wearing that bright green dress. It's just really funny. The
1: the prince has like a James Spader and sixteen candles oh. kind of vibe to him, yes. I think,
0: with that oiled back hair
1: and the and the like the light blazer. But Gemma, after being raised by like I don't know two hundred thousand dollars or some shit, <sighs> grabs Ashok's keys and is like, "I raise you this car." Uh, without his permission, initially.
2: That made me so upset. Though
1: she
0: Ugh. it gets worse though. Yeah, she kind
1: of, I guess you could say, sweetens the deal for Ashok. Uh she's like, I guarantee you will not lose your car. This turns out to be false. And if you get it back, not only will you be driving it down the Autobahn, you will be driving it down the Autobahn with me, topless, giving you a handy. So this is the the stakes we have. She was very quick to offer this, by the way. <laughs>
0: First of all, as a human woman with body parts, can I just say, "Ouch, ouch!" The thought of going down the highway that fast—that's not going to feel good. That's gonna—that's gonna be terrible. That's gonna leave
2: a mark. Is what's gonna Second do. Second of
0: all, in this yeah. episode, they say "handy" and "blowy." Multiple times each, and I'm not okay with it. Okay, you get blown, or you get a blowjob, or maybe you get a BJ. But even that is pushing it. A blow—what about a beach? Excuse you. How do do you feel about the term term beach? Absolutely horrible. I just—I don't know what about that it is, but it makes it a million times worse. It makes it sound so much more degrading than it is.
1: It's Ashok who actually uses the term "blowy" when he tries to renegotiate the terms um a little bit which to gemma's credit she shoots down very quickly
0: but then later on um penelope also says blowy i'm
1: quite good at blowies i've heard what's what i'm (laughs) I'm willing to give it i'm willing to give it to penelope and maribel because they're just such absurd they're naive, they're cartoon like, characters. Character. What are they? Right. So I can. Bu- I I buy those characters. They're beyond using cartoon the term.
0: characters. They're like roll doll characters.
1: I buy those characters using the terms "handy" and "blowy," just completely unironically. Not well, Gemma though. And
0: I buy and I buy like Ashok using it too. Because of his personality and the fact that, like, sex distracts him from literally everything from his brand new car that he considers to be his baby to massive blood loss. Um, But it's even though it's not out of character for them to say it, it still is grating on my ear. Like, just hearing that word in the episode, it was like, it was like how some people hate the word moist.
1: Yeah. Moist. Immediately, she loses this hand. He has a full house and she has. A pair of sixes. So I'm going to go ahead and say this was a bad bet on her part. Um, Yeah, maybe that's why she was so.
0: But then she writes it it off so so quick.
1: It's so ridiculous. She goes,
2: "Oh well, that's it. I'll see you later, Ashrock. I got to take a leak. I'm out of here. See ya."
0: That's because she doesn't feel like it has any real consequences for her. You know, like she's not. Yeah, exactly. She's wealthy and she's not terribly selfless. Like you can never accuse her of that. Honestly, she's so wealthy she could probably practically buy Ashok another one of those cars because she's like extremely wealthy. Yeah, why didn't she just offer? She's kind of an asshole. They
1: get back to the the place. Somebody mentions holding the prince at arrow bow and arrow point, which is a nice foreshadowing moment. Um, because for some inexplicable reason. They brought the ceremonial bow and arrow that the prince of a fictional African nation gave to King Simon on their trip to Monaco.
2: They have Chekhov's bow and arrow on board.
0: Thank you. That's what we've been calling it. This bow and arrow has been lying coiled in wait for many an episode, and we've been excited about it. Everyone is having a turn with the bow and arrow. Everyone is mentioning the bow and arrow. Eleanor says, like, oh, I was looking for the drugs, and all I found was a ceremonial bow and arrow. Like, they will not let you forget, even in characters whose plot lines have nothing to do with what eventually happens, that... Ladies and gentlemen, there's a bow and arrow on the premises.
1: I wish there had been a scene in the previous episode of Liam very specifically packing the bow and arrow for their (laughs) trip to Monaco and his logic behind that decision.
0: That's honestly the only thing that we haven't... That's the only moment of the bow and arrow's life that we haven't been made aware of.
1: The writers were so excited about that bow and arrow.
0: So uh, Gemma invites this guy back and offers him um that is which one is that that is penelope he she offers him penelope Penel- like to have sex with her who is a virgin they go sex virgin sex it's extremely weird um as everything with penelope and maribel is and he's like even if they do a little sales pitch where maribel like pats her boobs and stuff he's like no thank you that's not gonna work so they challenge him to a duel of skill and what should it be but but darts darts.
1: now we have previously established that liam is extraordinarily good at darts because his brother robert was a darts champion and he practiced all the time in the hopes of beating robert which he never did.
0: Robert was a great darts player. So things we know about Robert: he's perfect and good at everything. His dislikes include drugs and people not living up to their potential. His and likes that's it.
1: Include charity and respecting the people and <laughs> being the perfect king, Pretty much. potentially. Um, So he is essentially Jesus Christ risen again, but probably with better abs, I'm going to assume.
0: We'll never know until they cast a picture of him. Mm -hmm. On top of everything we know about him, Robert was a great darts player. Uh -uh. And Liam, he actually reconnected with Ophelia for the first time like romantically while he was doing that big darts playing stunt in front of everyone. So it's like Robert is the reason for everything in my life.
1: Not only is Robert so good. That Liam never beat him. Liam himself is like world championship level good at darts. He's beyond belief.
0: Liam's favorite thing in this life is making eye contact with someone while throwing a dart and not looking at it.
1: And doing it perfectly. And doing it perfectly. I I can do that. I can make eye contact with somebody while throwing a dart. But it will not go nearly as well. Somebody may be injured.
0: You mean some girl won't just go, hey, asshole, or whatever Ophelia's first line was?
1: I mean, they may do that still, probably (laughs) for different reasons. But
0: sincerely. So at one point, the rival who's fighting Liam for control of Akshak's car throws a dart, and one of the guys behind him says, great arrows, very supportively.
1: So they challenge... The Prince, to this... A game of skill. A game of skill, because they determined that gambling is not a game of skill, because the casino says it is not. They never establish what the Prince stands to win in this particular game.
2: Yeah, that was very... Like, what's he doing this for? Honor, I guess? He just says he's a man who
1: likes a challenge.
0: The way he sees it, it has no stakes for him, because he thinks he's going to win, and then when he doesn't, he's like, well, I'm keeping the car anyway, so he was probably planning on keeping it either way all along. Probably. Um, and it was all just bullshitting. Anyway, Liam, uh, it's the most the world's most ridiculous game of darts. Like honestly, it is the it is the most otherworldly, alternative universe game of darts. Like it's like a it's like they're at Hogwarts and the darts are just flying through the air magically. Because in the last round, Liam has this like Rudy style unbelievable comeback that is.
1: I get the impression that maybe it was like. A Paul Newman and the Hustler style intended comeback the entire time where he was just playing with this dude until I guess so. He
0: was cutting it really close then, like whew, still, Ashok got really lucky on that one, I think.
1: Well, let's be honest. I don't
2: know about you guys. I don't I don't understand the rules to darts at all. So it's very perplexing. Let's go, oh
1: you know, that's that's triple, that's double, you got it. Let's play the game. We'll teach you. One day we'll teach you. (laughs) To be fair In Liam's defense, with him cutting it close, it's clear, like everybody else, he does not give that much of a shit about Ashok. No. So, what does he care if he loses?
0: Liam wins. He wins back Ashok's car, But then this other guy isn't going to give them it back. So, Ophelia picks up the bow and arrow and threatens this guy. And here's when we get to the most jaw-dropping line I've ever heard on the Royals. And that's really saying something. Quote, I was raised in America, where they decided guns were bad, but a bow and arrow is honorable. When this did we in America true. decide that guns are bad? Well, what
2: America are you from? Can I
0: be? Can I go and be in that America? I would love that because that is one hundred percent bullshit. We have more guns than any country in the world.
2: Is it supposed to be like maybe a Hunger I Games or maybe friends? Hunger
1: Games or like Hawkeye? Maybe a Lord of the Rings thing. Maybe because bow and arrows are big and. Maybe she's a fan of Arrow.
0: But the gun
1: part, I cannot explain (sighs) for the life of me.
0: It makes no sense on any level. That line, honestly, like, I rewound it right there this last time I was watching it. Because I'm like, I must have misunderstood something. But no.
1: America loves guns more than almost anything. America probably loves guns slightly more than cute cat pictures on the internet. So I don't... I am perplexed. I have no idea. She manages to draw and hold this arrow, which must take amazing strength.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's not like a sport bow and arrow like you practice with in gym class or at camp. Like, it's made out of wood and twine.
1: It's thick, too, man. Yeah. She is. She's got a lot going on in the pectoral region, I guess. (laughs)
0: This sounds so strange out of context. (laughs) It's big and thick.
1: But eventually she does lose her grasp on it after the guy (laughs) that she is holding the bow and arrow uh, at relents and gives gives back the car. She lowers the bow and arrow to put it down. The situation diffused. Everybody's happy. Seems like everything's coming up. The royals in this particular case. But her strength fails. She lets go of the twine. And the arrow is lodged into Ashok's shin.
2: And that has to be extraordinarily painful.
1: I'm sure it's not pleasant.
0: And Liam doesn't even, like, hang with him while he's getting the arrow fucking taken out by Marcus. On the one hand, Marcus is an incredibly comforting presence. He's got that great Irish accent. He's... Mm -hmm easily the chillest person on the show he's the only one who's having like five meltdowns per episode oh he knows his head
1: he keeps his head when everyone loses theirs consistently
0: yeah and he manages to kind of spin it for ashok thinking ashok will be able to use this to or ashok be able to use this to get sex which is really his only priority in this life but still liam's supposed to be his best friend he just like lays him on the table and is like well bye
1: good luck (laughs) And, you
0: know... i catch you next who episode. ...who should
1: also stick around is the person who fucking shot him in the leg. Yeah,
0: yeah like, Ophelia's reaction is like, my bad! Yeah.
1: And then they're out. No one gives a fuck about poor. Well, Astrid. I got things to do. He's he no. the Charlie Brown of the Royals universe. That's why he's my favorite <laughs> character. Meanwhile, um, Liam and Ophelia keep on keeping on with their bonding the entire time. Uh, that evening, I think it's the evening... It's the evening before the Arrow incident when they call back the presumptuous line finally um when they're texting each other in their respective beds one room apart and this seems
2: just so fucking boring <laughs> they're just texting to each other and they have like a little kidsy smiles on like oh, how cute <laughs> and they're always like having like a fucking blast is texting it's,
0: uh, oh, Can dude, you please it's so boring And how cute voice for the rest of the episode i'm crying <laughs> oh how cute
1: and, like, oh, they're, like, saying their cute little things, cat got your thumbs, and blah, blah, blah. Uh. And then she's, like, why, you, oh, cat, she says, <laughs> cat got God your dead. thumbs, and he's, like, I'm waiting to try and get the perfect line. And she's, like, the perfect uh. to get me in your bed. And he's, like, in my bed. Oh, no. My arms, my life. Uh.
0: Oh no, I don't think we can be friends anymore. I think now that we've all heard you say those words, we three can never speak to each other again.
1: Well, it works wonderfully on Ophelia. You guys may not like it, but Ophelia is head over heels um, about this line because she shows up in his doorway like the perfect line. Between Beck and this, this is like a party platter just loaded with cheese. Like we've got some nice sharp cheddar over here. Maybe a little Swiss. Some nice provolone. This is the cheesiest goddamn episode of the Royals in the history of the show.
0: Uh, Yeah, and I feel like the only thing we have to cut through that cheesiness is this scene that I actually really like between Eleanor and Gemma, where Gemma kind of talks about the type of girl that they are. And Gemma has this just devastating line, do you remember the last time you weren't just the girl the guy wanted to sleep with? Which is like oh really brutal and affecting and Eleanor's reaction is just like I do remember the last time it was tonight bye and just like walked oh, yeah. out of the conversation leaving <laughs> for Gemma heartbroken.
1: Gemma not only heartbroken, she sits there listening to Liam and Ophelia laughing from the room upstairs, I believe.
0: It's melancholy, I guess. I really did think that her line about do you remember the last time you weren't just the girl the guy wanted to sleep with was actually affecting. But then again, as Eleanor points out, no one's going to feel sorry for the Diamond Heiress and the princess. And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) Mostly because you two are really, really elitist characters.
1: They talk about the first how they have come to this place a lot. They went there with Robert and it was making them think about it. And then they casually throw in that the first time they got drunk was at this palace when they were 12 years old.
0: Now, to me,
1: that seems pretty young, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, it would be different. if not cool. Our parents let us drink wine with dinner because we're in Europe. But I don't think that's what it was. Yeah, exactly. And it was just the two of them.
1: Which, so, and I'm guessing Robert didn't do it, but he had to be aware of it, because Robert's perfect as fuck.
0: We never hear about any debauchery on his part, and he was apparently very easy to control.
1: Uh, it's mostly a nice scene, I think. I think their chemistry as brother and sister usually works for me. And aside from the fact that he brushes off her addiction, I kind I think it's a sweet little, uh, sweet little aside.
0: That was probably more the show. They have a
1: nice little character relationship. Yeah,
0: that was probably more the show trying to play it off as a joke. Than the character. Probably true. And then
1: most most of the rest of this shit's just Beck talking to Eleanor. And I mean, what is there to say about it?
0: (laughs) Basically, he tells her that he loves her and that he wants to be with her, but then he kind of contradicts that because we find out on the plane ride home that he's married and he's had some troubles with his wife, but she wants to try to give their marriage another shot and he's going to do it. So Eleanor basically says, "Um, She doesn't love you like I love you. He does the thing that the show always does, which is have a male character, maybe it's her dad, maybe it's one of her brothers, maybe it's a boyfriend, just tell Eleanor, you have so much potential, you have so much unused potential, which even if it's true, I don't understand why it's just constantly men telling her, like, you're wasting your life, you're wasting your life. Gemma stayed behind in Monaco to have some time by herself, which was probably for the best. And Ophelia and Liam are about to disembark as a couple for the first time. And he keeps calling her my girl, like over and over and over again. she's like, say it again. He's like, my girl. I want the whole world to see my girl. And it's brutal.
1: They have a little flirty moment out on the balcony. And she flashes the picturesque right. how could uh, I forget which of course is just a nothing moment that will uh, have no repercussions whatsoever so we can just skip right over it I think
0: Um. well now we know why they were complimenting her boobs earlier in the episode because this show can't have anything happen unless it's set up many times before anything happens like how they mentioned the bow and arrow over and over and over and over again before something actually happened so, the final image we see of the episode is actually Ophelia and Liam's hands holding on to each other as they disembark for the paparazzi. So, that pretty much ties up the Monaco storyline. Again, nothing too meaty there, which is why I really want to talk about Simon and Prudence and Helena and Jasper. Um, starting with Simon and Prudence, uh, Simon is going on his nighttime walk and... And Prudence follows him as she's been instructed to do. And he's really nice. Obviously, he's King Simon. He catches her, but he basically just, like... Wants to know what's going on with her. He offers to help her. He has his whole Mr. Robot speech where he's like Christian Slatering about how everyone is so tied to their technology. And, like, we never look at each other. And, like, we're all just plugged into our music. And it's like, okay. The death of
1: communicate. Like, he looks on the subway and everybody's just listening to their music or staring at their phones. And it's the death of communicate Yeah, because the subway used to be such... The subway used to be such a bastion of communication in the old days. Who wants to talk to people on the fucking subway? That's the worst idea.
0: When he was walking around at night, I actually defended the show for this. I'm like, I could see how he could be walking around at night and no one's making eye contact with him and no one notices he's the king. If he's crammed onto the tube, people are going to notice if their king is on the subway with them. They're too busy
1: looking at their phones (laughs) to notice. If only they could turn away from their phones.
0: I take it all back. And also he criticizes them for
1: being too wrapped up in the headlines of the day, which seems kind of worthwhile. Like, keeping up with the news?
0: Until the news that he sees is the video of Ashok getting shot in the knee on a giant screen that he's passing by, which is amazing.
1: And I want to note that the video is clearly just, like, what they filmed for the show. Like
0: It's, it's not a vine, somebody with... basically.
1: Yeah. I, I don't think anybody was actually filming this. I think they... They literally just use the actual footage we saw earlier in the episode.
2: So many lazy shows do that. It's ridiculous.
0: It's like um, when shows have um, pictures within the world of the show and they're obviously like promotional photos They were like... Taken in a studio. Yeah. I, I always love that, too. Yes. Maybe
1: it's the same person who took a picture of Ophelia, this mysterious, invisible photographer who's just getting all these scoops.
0: No, it's either Penelope or Maribel had their phone out and was filming when Asha oh, got shot. They, they show that, that in the episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, but then it's that. obviously not cell phone footage they show on the screen. So I was like, oh, okay. Uh, well, so Prudence tries to tell Cyrus that she doesn't want to, you know, follow Simon anymore because he's too good of a man. And Cyrus has another one of his lines where he says something along the lines of They love that pretty mouth of yours in prison.
1: Yeah, calling back (laughs) (laughs) Calling back not
0: even a tone exaggeration, even though the accent was terrible. But Prudence, uh, stands up to him, says that, um, and this is pretty much why I really like her, but she says that, you know, like, oh, the royals need people to have a good opinion of them right now, which is probably true. I don't know what she was referring to, but I don't know if she was saying people would have a bad opinion of the royals if they knew that she had tried to poison him, or if that she came out saying, like, this guy is trying to blackmail me into sex, um... But either way, even Cyrus couldn't keep the smirk on his face at the end of the scene. He seemed a little bit intimidated by her. So I thought that was a nice moment, you know. Pretty much no one can stand up to him.
1: I feel like I would say that she would be worried that no one would believe her if she said this guy was blackmailing her into sex. But if they looked at this guy for two seconds, he's the most evil-looking man in the universe. And whenever he speaks, it's like a Disney villain.
0: Yeah. With the eyebrows, too.
1: Uh, After her initial meeting with Jasper, where she puts she has a bunch of sexual flirtations with him um they eventually get back to her room while he is you know bodyguarding her as he is wont to do and she's like i know a lot about you i've done some research through mi6 so she's using this is the by the way the british equivalent of the cia that she's i guess using to research some dude i don't know how that arrangement occurred, but okay.
0: He's already infiltrated the palace. Like, this was <laughs> Ted's job.
1: I know. And Ted says earlier that he knows that about Jasper's sordid history. That's so and weird. And that everybody gets a chance to rewrite their life, which is the worst ADR line ever. It's, it sounds like it was- Like, why would
2: you have him do that? Why would you have this guy get close? and He's like, you have the chance to rewrite your life. Help them. Like... <laughs> What are you talking about? He can
1: assassinate them. Get him out of there. <laughs> yeah. This is a guy who takes his job so seriously. His wife died while he was protecting the, these people. And you yeah. just going to let this dude waltz in?
0: And then they just have the completely most lax security team of all time. They also have the thing of, like, there are times when they allow them to have no bodyguards, basically. Was Marcus the only bodyguard that they brought to Monaco?
1: I think so, yeah. And then Liam yeah, 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 I think dismisses
0: so too. him. Um, so this is where Helena has her terrible lines. What lays in Vegas does not, in fact, stay in Vegas, etc. <laughs> because she gets him to go down on her. We assume that's how the scene is played. And then they have sex.
1: Yes. In fact, she seems to, surprisingly, in a twist for the show, she seems to sexually blackmail him with the information about his past. What a twist. What a new turn the show has taken here. The
0: sexual blackmailer has become the sexual blackmail
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's Earl Burroughs at this point. Um,
0: I wanted to say I think that everything Helena said, though, is correct. I think that she actually is right. Because she mentions a girl named Samantha who she says was like, the daughter of this mobster, although she calls him the king, and she's going into this heavy-handed royalty. You wanted the 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 king's daughter, and so you were thrown out of the kingdom. Um, But she says the girl's name is Samantha, and I think that that lines up with something in season two that we'll see later on with another American character. Yes. His name could be a nickname for that, so I don't want to spoil too much, but I think that that could come into play.
1: And I suspect if she comes into play, this guy who ran him off the Vegas Strip, The King of the Strip, Cy Cook, may also show up. King Simon has been thinking about what uh, Helena said earlier about never bringing her flowers anymore. (sighs) So, um, Uh, Heartbreaking. This is brutal. So sad. Yeah. He comes back to the palace carrying a bouquet. uh, And as he approaches Helena's room, he hears the door opening and quickly hides in an adjacent hallway. And out of the room, still dressing himself comes jasper i just
2: think it's hilarious that the king has to hide behind a wall like a cartoon character the king of england has to hide like oh don't let someone see me
0: (laughs) and jasper just wanders out like his it's obvious what he's been doing he doesn't even try to hide it he just steps into the hallway like whoo we sure am worn out from all the sex having i'm
1: surprised he didn't yell back into the room like i'm gonna get a glass of water because that sex really took it out of me
0: do you want some gatorade Meanwhile, Helena is just laying back on her chaise, like, at Her Majesty's pleasure. (laughs) Ugh, that line. The next time we see Helena and Simon together, you know, they're, um, he's meeting with the Prime Minister and he won't tell her what it's about. And, it's more implication that he's really taking steps to have the monarchy abolished, to have this referendum put forward. And I think part of that also was that he saw that video of Ashok on the big screen getting shot. And he's like, look at my irresponsible children, which in the grand scheme of all his thing, all the things his kids have done, Someone getting accidentally shot with a bow and arrow doesn't seem that bad, but I think it's supposed to have some sort of emotional weight for Simon.
2: Does this guy cry a lot? He seems like he cries a lot.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, kind of yeah, everyone does on the
2: show,
1: weeper. honestly. He doesn't let the people see his tears, though. He's, you know, he's got to put on his stoic face for, for his subjects.
0: What was your favorite moment of the episode?
2: Uh, i probably have to go with Ashlock getting the arrow in the leg. I just wasn't expecting it, and it was pretty funny when it happened. I highly enjoyed it. And they had put him on the thing, and then Aaron just leaves him. <laughs> like, all right, you got it. Marcus, <laughs> you take care of this mess.
0: Yep, that pretty much sums it up. And that's also pretty much why we wanted to have you on this episode. I thought that you would enjoy the bow and arrow bit. So I'm glad that uh, my prediction well, I came did. true. That was a
2: good episode of Peck. I did enjoy the, watching this. I mean, for some of it, I was on my phone. <laughs> I will admit, because I do that a lot. That's fair. I'm like, uh, For most of the... Queen, King stuff. I'm like, okay, yeah. let's get back to the kids. Let's see what they're up to.
1: Well, it's an outrageous show, but and as much as we say stuff about how ridiculous it is here, I don't think we'd continue to do the show if there weren't some level of enjoyment we were getting out of it. So,
0: Oh, definitely. It's usually very fast-paced. I think this episode actually had a lot more romance than I typically want out of an episode of The Royals. I mean, you would think that the show would be like 100% romance, but it's really not. It's really more like people just doing ridiculous things to each other and
1: conniving there and is
0: sex and there is romance but the show is rarely this lovey dovey so in that sense this was a rough episode to get through and I think that's where we got hung up on our discussion somewhat is just like being frustrated with that um,
1: I liked some of the uh, Liam Eleanor stuff I liked her response to being called a 12 year old girl when she said her response was I hate you times infinity because I thought that was kind of cute um, one little very brief moment I liked is when Marcus is helping Ashok out of the villa, and there's those plastics or whatever we're calling them there, and they're like concerned about his well-being, and he says, I can handle it, and he gives a little look to Marcus that I really enjoy that little moment they share there, actually, and I wanted to yeah. highlight it.
0: I think that my favorite moment, and this is such a tiny thing, but I became, like, obsessed with it. Um, during the darts game, when the bad guy, the other prince, threw his darts. His He had this, like, group of extras behind him who were supposed to be his buddies. And one of them went, great arrows. <laughs> which made no sense. They have sense. to set it up. Was he calling the darts arrows? It was obviously an ad lib, but he said it super loudly, and the camera totally caught it. So... That, oh, and I also really liked um, Marcus trying to call Liam dude, and it just sounding really weird, and Liam oh, yeah. being like, maybe stick with sir. Uh, I thought that was a fun little back and forth. So,
1: I, yeah. And I'm going to go on the record as saying I don't think Good Arrows was an ad-lib. I think the writers were so excited about the coming arrow thing that they specifically put that line in there, just to give us a little bit more of a hint.
0: A dart is not an arrow. It doesn't make any sense.
1: But I think that does it. Andrew, we already said Talking About Turtle available. Oh, if you like
2: my shit here, you'll love my shit on Talking <laughs> About Turtle, your one thought shot for Entourage Slop. Uh, we talk about a great television show, Entourage.
0: And if you search through the back catalogs, I wish I knew which episode it was, but I have had the great privilege. Ep-
2: season 2, Episode 4. Yes,
0: thank you, Andrew. I was on Talking About Turtle, and it was a delight, so... I'm a huge fan of the show as a listener and whatnot. Uh, definitely check that one out. It's a great show. You can also listen to Zach's other podcast, Baby, The Revisionists, on iTunes mm. and wherever yes. you choose to listen to podcasts and you'll learn and you'll be entertained and it's a very manageable little chunk of time. You guys do pretty short episodes, right?
1: It's usually about 30 minutes. Essentially, it's a show where we go over a figure or event from history, and then we present an alternate version of that figure or event, and then the listener, which is potentially you, (gasps) votes on which of those outcomes becomes the canonical history in our little uh, fake world over there.
0: Andrew, thank you so much for joining us tonight. There was so much ground to cover, and it was Amazing to have you.
2: It was a delight to be here. I I highly enjoyed
1: it. And uh, I have been for Stage of Fools, Zach Powers.
0: And I will continue to be Shannon Camp.
1: Uh, Thanks, everybody. Have a good evening or morning or whenever. See you next time. Thanks for
0: listening. Bye-bye.
1: Goodbye. Visit Stage of Fools on our Twitter, at Stage of Fools Pod, or on our Facebook page, Stage of Fools. The Royals is property of E. Stage of Fools is produced by Darren Husted, artwork by Joshua Hollis.